There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And today we'll be discussing episode 10 of season 3 of The Expanse. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get to tweet this last night, though. I feel, like, horrible because I was feeling horrible. So I didn't get to watch oh, it. No. I had to watch part of it this morning and then on break. <laughs> not quite the same when you watch it on your phone. No, not not, not quite. No. Especially this episode. Yeah. Because it was badass crazy. But it was something else. So... You got some ratings news. Absolutely. Episode 10 brought in a 0.17 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.615 million viewers, making it the 45th rated cable show for the day. Unfortunately, the live plus seven days for episode eight have not come out yet. Well, we've been talking about not maybe not having those anyway, so. Yeah, I don't know. All right. So episode 10. Wow. Yeah. We're already there. Yeah, Dandelion Sky. Holden sees past, present, and future. A ghost from Melba's past threatens her mission. Bobby struggles to trust an old friend as she leads a group into uncharted territory. Okay, so there was a lot of crap happening. Oh, yeah. And, I don't know, some of it, I I was kind of like, but why? Right. And then the ending, I was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, all right, let's jump in. All right, let's start on the Thomas Prince. We see that the prince is on final approach to pass through the ring, and everybody on board is somewhere on the spectrum from excited to nervous to scared. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Anna is definitely one of the excited ones, so excited, in fact, that when one of the officers, a very nervous-looking man named Nemiroff, approaches her to share his frightened feelings, she blows him off to get a better look at passing through the ring in silence. That was part of what I was kind of like, really? I I was questioning because if you're that freaked out, I'm shocked they would even want you to stay on the ship. Right. Yeah, you would think he would have spoken to his XO or the captain of the ship and said something and would have been allowed to, to leave even like the the one crewman who changed his outfit to try to get off. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed really strange to me with him. Right. Maybe it's just me looking at it, I don't know, from the outside, obviously. But it it just seemed like if he was that skittish, they would have, like, somebody would have noticed. Right. You would have thought. Yeah. But it was really cool when they do pass through the gate. Oh, yeah, that was great effect, because we didn't get to see that effect on any of the other ships that went through it. Right. Because so, you actually see it kind of passing through each of the people on the deck. You go, wow, that's awesome. Now, I'm <laughs> assuming that it was 
something that they felt too. And it wasn't just, you know, Anna like, yes, we're through. Because we get to focus on her. Yep. And with some lights flickering and instrumentation blinking, you would think that if it affected the mechanics of the ship, then yeah, it probably had an effect on the humans as well. Okay. Now, of course, Colvad checks the instruments to get some clues as to what they're floating in, while Anna just wants to appreciate the beauty at least for a moment. And I love the comment about, we aren't in space anymore. <laughs> right. It's like, where are we? We're like, well, we thought it'd be this, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. So Kovod spots the station at the center, or at least the, I guess you can call it a station. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> the that, sphere. I would say they were pretty much just calling it the nucleus, right? Well, Holden right. was. Yeah. As well as objects in orbit around it. You go, hmm, because we see Maneo's ship, the behemoth missile, and the MCRN probe all kind of stuck in orbit around the, um, yeah, all like this triang- like triangle around it. So Right. With like, I wonder if that meant something. Pink-looking goo. goo. <laughs> That's the technical term, folks. Goo. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Anna goes, well, what is this place? <laughs> and Kovad dancers, where angels would fear to tread if they had any goddamn sense. <laughs> well, nobody said it this time. No. And we see Nimorov. Looking a little pale, and he kind of slinks off. You go, I'm afraid this might not turn out too well. <laughs> so, of course, while Anna and Kovad debate different aspects of the ring, Nemirov approaches Tilly and says that the XO would like to meet with her. You go, uh-oh. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, what does this mean? Not like he could yeah. turn her away now. No. <laughs> And of course, once again, he's looking scared as hell, and Anna kind of sees it and brushes him off again. I know, that seems really not like her. Yeah, it really is. And I guess we do see it later on in the episode where it finally hits her that, yeah, I am just got way too caught up in the science instead of doing my job, which is comforting people. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we next check in on Melba who is secretly trying to plot a course for her to reach the Rasanati before the Martians do. But Yeah, mm-hmm. how did she think she's going to beat anybody? They were in there before her. And- right. Come on. <laughs> yeah, not a good choice. And we see Nemoff entering his quarters, looking troubled but calm. And he stares at a monitor that is showing the status of this ring, and the longer he does, the more agitated he becomes. And he grabs his weapon and fires. See, I thought it was going to be something totally different. Right. (laughs) Because he seemed to get real, like, twitchy, and I'm like, oh my gosh, is he going to start killing people? Is he somehow affected by the whole protomolecule? Like, is there something, like, infecting him? It just, the way he was getting twitchy and looking around and his eyes got huge, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah. I thought there was going to be a whole lot of dead people. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I thought he was going to be the one that would end up causing some major damage to the Thomas Prince. Yeah. And, of course, we cut back to Melba, who's watching footage of Holden from the documentary crew. And 
once again, tracks the Rossinati's course. And she's still trying to figure out a way to get to the Rossi before the Martians do. And it just isn't going to work. So she asks about the kill zone radius if she overloaded the Rossi's engines. And how the heck is she doing that from where she is? Well, it's part of um, the sabotage on the Rossi. But I thought they pulled that thing. Yeah, but they still haven't got anything back under control yet. So it probably was a, once you put it in, she's got access, and taking it out doesn't do anything. Oh, interesting. At least that's what I'm thinking. Okay. So we go back to the bridge where Anna and Kovat are still speaking intelligently about the nature of what they're seeing. When Anna gets asked by one of the officers if she would say some words for a service for Lieutenant Nimerov, who died while cleaning his service weapon. Yeah, that's just a nice way to say he off himself. Yeah, and you see Anna's face immediately drop. because She knows a euphemism when she hears it and gets emotional imagining that this scared man she saw has now taken his life. Right, because what if that starts yeah. going through her head? That's right. If she would have done what she was there to do, then maybe that wouldn't have happened. Of course, Melba's sulking around the ship, and this time she's trying to get a mech suit. And she gets denied, saying that the XO has to approve that. And as she turns the corner, she bumps into Tilly, who recognizes her back from Earth. Uh, this was interesting, when all of a sudden she's like, Clarissa? And she just kind of, like, kind of shakes the head and wiggles the shoulders, like, no, you got the wrong person. Yeah, trying to... Sh- but not <laughs> say anything, obviously, because right. she didn't want to recognize the voice. So, yeah, I'm like, okay, maybe you need to do a better job of paying attention where you're going, then. Keep your head down. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Well, we knew it had to happen sooner or later. That's true. Because the why Prince put them probably there? a big ship, but not that big. Right. But, yeah, because why would you put them both on the ship and start showing their past otherwise? Right. <laughs> So after Anna gives a lovely eulogy for Nimeroff in which she says they should all be there for each other more, Tilly shows up and approaches her and says she's seen a familiar face. And she goes into an explanation about Jules Pierre Mao and how the family's been disgraced with some in hiding and she thinks she saw his daughter Clarissa, whom she knew socially. And you go... Oh no, this is not going to turn out well. Right. It's like, what does this mean? Are you going yeah. to bring her into it? And I'm thinking maybe if there's two people, things won't be so bad. I don't know. Right. But, and I'm just worried about, oh no, don't let this be a second mistake Anna makes. Oh God, yeah. And of course, Tilly's reluctant to bust Clarissa if she's trying to escape her father's reputation. So Anna encourages her to reach out and trust her judgment. <laughs> no. <laughs> she Maybe she doesn't have good judgment. Her. Yeah. You're talking to a, a debutante. <laughs> but, uh, odds are not good. <laughs> so, of course, Tilly approaches Clarissa and tries to reach out, but she gets stonewalled. Tilly presses forward, though, saying that whatever her father did, she shouldn't have to suffer for it. Well, that's when uh, Clarissa goes off and 
tells her that her father was innocent and it's Holden who has to pay. Except you know very well your father's not innocent. You said yes. it yourself. Yes. Like, you said everything you thought was going to happen happened. So that's not innocent. No, not at all. Uh. And then we see her bite down on whatever it been that's giving her her superpowers, and Tilly has no idea what she's in store for. I was like, oh, crap, what does this mean? How many things does she have up in her teeth? Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good question. And what exactly is it, and how does it work? I'd love to know. Apparently, like, all her teeth are weird, like, capsule-filled things. Yeah, <laughs> that's some type of false teeth, I guess. Right? All right, we'll move over to the Usen, and we guess who we find out is on the drop ship. It's good old Bobby Draper. I did not realize Bobby was as close. I thought last time we seen her, she was, like, over, like, closer to Mars, I guess. Right, well, I remember she saying that she was on the Usen, and so I knew she was there. Oh, I must have missed that, that she was Yeah, when there. she was video chatting with Alex. Oh, okay, okay. And, of course, she's been reassigned as a gunnery sergeant and once again taking orders from a guy. <laughs> Not looking despite, happy. Yeah, despite the fact that she has personal ties to the Rossi and knows all about the ship and its crew. And she definitely makes her feelings known as she expresses extreme doubt that Holden is guilty for the crimes he's accused of. Of course, her superior asks if she's up for the task of apprehending him. I just feel like you guys know very well that Holden didn't do this. Yeah. How the hell did he get on the ship and nobody noticed? Okay, that's my first question. Well, and I think Mars is still a little upset that they haven't gotten their ship back. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> get over it. We're, like, well past that. It's like three seasons yeah, ago. Exactly. <laughs> And so Bobby replies that their task is to stop Holden before he does any harm inside the ring, and she intends to do just that. So, of course, her commander tries to get Holden to respond to a hail, and he is not responding. So Bobby says, let me try, and sure enough, he replies, because he's surprised to hear from her. Well, I think we all are at this point. But yeah. But then, I mean, they didn't have any communications either on the Rossi, so I think Holden's like, okay, wait, I can actually talk to people, but I still can't talk to Alex and Amos. Great. Right. So I can tell everybody we're innocent, but will it work? Yeah. But unfortunately, he's having a conversation with Miller at the same time. Yeah, that was weird because I thought he was talking to Bobby at first. Right. Yes, he was talking to Bobby, then he'd say something to Miller. Then he would talk to Bobby, then he'd try to say something to Miller. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, but I did. We hear Miller's voice. Okay, I thought so, but then I'm thinking they were just doing that, like, so we can hear it, like, we, the audience. Right. But I didn't know if Bobby heard it. Right. And with the reaction, you think that they didn't notice a second, well... They did, because they asked if she was on a different comm, and at first Holden says no, and he says yes. So they're probably thinking he's talking to somebody on the Rossi, but at the same time, Bobby should have recognized the voice as not being Alex or Amos and questioned Holden about it. Now I'm like, 
thinking about all this. Like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at first I thought, well, why didn't Bobby recognize Miller? Well, Miller's voice. Well, because Bobby never met Miller. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I just think that she should have recognized that it wasn't Amos or Alex's voice. Yeah, that's why I was like, saying that she should have, if she heard another voice and the rest of them heard something, like, that should have been like, well, he's not just talking to himself. Because when the her um captain said, oh, maybe he's gone crazy, did that sound normal to you? Right. Basically, like, did he go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? <laughs> yes. But... I mean, if it's two distinct voices, he's got to be talking to somebody. That's weird. Right. Now, now, of course, if you take the Mars theory that, yes, he's working with the OPA, he could be talking to somebody on the behemoth or an OPA operative. Okay, yeah. So we move over to the behemoth, and Ashford complains loudly to Drummer, loud enough that Diago and some of the other belters hear him that they need probes built, but Naomi isn't here to do it because Drummer let her leave the ship. Yeah, all right, you know what, dude? That's some BS right there. I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, yeah, you don't question the captain on the bridge. And then Diego just always, Diego, so whatever, he always just looks like he's up to something anyway. Yes. (laughs) Like he's going to start some shit, and that, that was like the signal. Yeah, Drummer seems to sense that there's something brewing here, but she stifles it and instead sternly suggests some farm equipment that can be easily converted to probes. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, because the captain needs to know her ship. Basically, I'm like, oh, she's just like two middle fingers right there, dude. Yeah, so of course, Diago approaches Ashford and airs his frustrations with Drummer and says Ashford should be the captain. Now, of course, Ashford sternly warns Diago to keep his foolish mouth shut about such things on the bridge, but he doesn't exactly dismiss the idea either. That was really interesting, too, especially the way Ashford kind of, like, runs it down. Right. Because when he's, uh, what was it, Diago's like, you've been boss man since before I was born. Right. It's like, yeah, and then he basically, he's like, yeah, and I've done all of this really cool shit and all this really bad shit, and... By the way, my I seen my only kid burn, so maybe shut your mouth. Yeah. Just the way he said it, and yeah, I understand he didn't straight up dismiss it, but I think Diogo is really, like, I don't know if he just thinks he's hot shit. <laughs> yeah, he probably does. Right. So, you know, at this point, I think he looked a little surprised that Ashford even said that to him. Like, oh, oh, okay, I thought this is what we were doing. Right. Yeah, this... Wouldn't surprise me if this was the plan all along, was to get Ashford on that ship and eventually take over as captain. I mean, I can see Dawes planning that Mm -hmm. behind Johnson's back. Right. So, of course, Ashford finds Drummer in a mechanical bay working on these farm equipment, converting him to probes, and they kind of have it out over their differences, to say the least. And Drummer accuses him of actively undermining her and then putting on a loyal face for the crew. I have to agree with her. Oh, absolutely. She knew exactly what he was doing. So she's going to be prepared for whatever happens, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, She just got to find her people that are loyal to her to be there when they need to be there. This is not the time to start some shit. You're in the middle of you don't know where. 
Exactly. With you don't know what happening. (laughs) Maybe you guys keep your crap under wraps and then you can have it out when you're out of this, like, unknown space. For all you know, you can just raise your voice too much and all of a sudden the protomolecule decides to eat you. You don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Take your ship and crush it like a Coke can. Right. So maybe we keep cooler heads right now. Yeah. Now, of course, we also need to check on Naomi, who's on her skiff, still trying in vain to hail the Rasanati. But because she does, the Yusin contacts her and tells her that they are apprehending those aboard the Rasanati and not to interfere. Yeah. yeah like that's going to happen. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then her little hand gesture. Not that yeah. they've seen it, but. Yeah. Not likely. <laughs> And then we take a look at the Rossi where Alex and Amos watched the message Holden recorded to them before leaving the Rossi. Well, we knew he had to leave some kind of message, right? Yeah, he couldn't just leave the ship and not leave anything. So, of course, he tells them that it's something he has to do and that they shouldn't follow him. <laughs> yeah, like that's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, because our guys listen so well. Yeah. Now, of course, later on... I don't think I've ever seen Alex this freaked out. And we've been through a lot of crazy stuff. Right. He is almost at the point of losing it, trying to figure out what to do. He looked genuinely scared, and I was okay with it because, (laughs) I know it sounds weird, because he's showing, like, this reality and of what everybody is basically feeling inside that space. Right. And the fact that... Yeah, and the fact that Amos has tells him a story that he cannot feel fear. He hasn't felt fear since he was five. And Alex is like, oh, I wish wish I could do that. And he's like, no, you don't. Yeah. Because he's just dead serious. And I was like, oh, my God, Amos, what happened to you? I want to hug him. He's like, come here, Amos Teddy Bear. I will hug you because you look like you need a hug. I think you need cracks. Like, cracks right. had you, like, even out. Like. Crax was like his Xanax, is what it was. (laughs) So we hear the story of a friend from Baltimore who said if the end ever came, she'd head to the roof with a bottle and then jump off with her cats in tow. I didn't understand what they were talking about when he's like like a pharaoh. I'm like, what? (laughs) Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah, It took a second. (laughs) And he says, don't worry, I'll take you with me too. Yeah, I don't think that made Alex feel better. No, it didn't. No, no, I think he's just like, uh, what? I don't think that's what I wanted to happen. No, I don't want that. I want to make it back to my son, damn it. Right? It's like, no, my kid's finally cool with me, dude. Exactly. (sighs) Well, on to Holden's journey. And at least he gets company on his way to the nucleus as Proto Miller joins him. Now, this was some of the best special effects we've seen, even though it was almost goofy. Yes, I have to agree. Because <laughs> Miller's just like standing there like da da da. And Holden, of course, that had to be really uncomfortable for him. Oh, yeah. Because Absolutely, because he he's like, got to be hanging. Yes. So it looks like he's in space. And Miller's just standing there. So, I mean, it was really cool. I did really like it. But, oh, my God. That had to be so uncomfortable for him. Yes. <laughs> and, of course, Holden questions why him. <laughs> and, 
And Miller, Proto Miller calls him the patron saint of lost souls. <laughs> He's always anywhere at the, <laughs> all hell breaks loose. There's Holden asking why me. <laughs> right. And I love it. He's like, yeah, it's in your programming. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what are you talking about? And when he's like, yeah, he, he just rolls through and he's like, every time there's some stuff, there you are shrugging your shoulders like, all right, guess we're doing this. Guess oh. the world needs me or the universe. Yep. And it's and, true. And, and yeah. Like, where's, one minute. <laughs> it's like, where's the lie? Because yep. you're out in the middle of unknown space, territory, protomolecule, whatever, right. floating towards the nucleus. Look around you. Who else is doing that? Nobody. So, you got all these other ships, and nobody's left them yet. Yeah, exactly. Miller alerts Holden to the MCR presence, so Holden turns on the burners to get as far away from them as he can quickly. And Yeah, and then he's like, dude, slow down, slow down. You remember what I said? Yeah. He says, I'm practicing some free will. <laughs> Maybe not so free will, I'm just saying. Right. Kind of scary there, you want to be like, Bug on a windshield. No. Miller cautions him that the station is going to squash him if he goes too fast. And, of course, Holden waits until the very last second, but does slow down enough to make it there safe. Oh. And when he's at the station and all of a sudden, like, that thing, like, it just opens. And he's like, yeah. Put on the brake. What's in there? It's a little yeah. late to start thinking about this now. Just yep. saying. You made it this far. What are you going to do? Be like, never mind. I'm going back. Yeah. <laughs> no, I changed my mind. No. Okay. Miller tells him there's answers in there and locks that right. need to be picked. So of course, Holden hesitates and demands more information from Miller before heading in. And Miller tells him what's out here is the remains of an ancient civilization. Locked doors and a timer, he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A timer. Yeah. When he said that, I'm like, oh, why do I feel like that's a major thing? Exactly. But that seems to be enough to uh, convince Holden to head in because, of course, the MCRN are still bearing down on him. And when they get in, Miller tells him it's zero G and breathable air. Oh, I thought it was, was it zero G or one G? Uh, maybe one G. Just had, yeah, it had atmosphere and gravity, basically. Right. You go, all right, what the hell's going on here? This thing knows what Holden needs to survive. Right. And then when he's mm -hmm. like, go ahead, take your hat off. And he's like, yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I choose to leave this on right now. <laughs> yeah, see, I, that would have been me. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't Not think so. Happen. But, of course, Holden is like, um, I'm good. We'll just kind of hang out. He was respectful about it, but he's not stupid, because nothing could change its mind at any moment. Exactly. And, of course, inside it looks like some kind of nervous system. I was thinking that. Yes, it really did. You go, hmm. <laughs> uh, this might not end too well for anybody. Well, and... I was getting scared with this next moment, because... All of a sudden, there was, like, this weird structure that comes out. It looked very modern art. Right. And just, like... Yeah, one part coming from the roof and one yeah. part coming from the floor. And you go, okay. Yeah. But they don't meet. Right. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, complete the circuit. Well, how the hell is he going to do it? That's what I was thinking. And then I'm like, well, don't touch it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, no, don't do it. And uh, Holden, at least, isn't like, okay. Right. He's He wants more answers first. Right. Because he's like, uh, how do I know this isn't going to kill everybody? Everybody right. I love. Right. And maybe Miller. Yeah. We don't know. Right. If Miller's actually in his head, like he says he is, then, <laughs> you know, that, yeah, we missed that was on the way they, Miller gives him kind of a, a beat down that, yes, you got more synapses in your head than there are stars in the universe, but we're still way more advanced than you are. Right. When he's like, monkey, Mozart. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> But I mean, so I, I get that Holden is, is smart enough to be like, er, hold on, pump the brakes here. I need to know what's going on. Right. And not just like, all right, I'll do what you say. No. Because we don't know if he's really Miller or if he's just like, okay, we're going to use this. Yeah, you helped me, but you helped me to get me here. Right. But of course, it's like, will I get answers? Will I have more questions? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Miller's like, it might just be the next clue. Okay, you're killing me, dude. Yeah, <laughs> not nice. No. And of course, about that time, Bobby and company arrive in the chamber demanding Holden surrender. Yeah, not a good time, Bobby. No. She tries to make him think of Amos, Alex, and Naomi and how he's putting them in danger, yet Holden's not going to yield. And you see Bobby's uh, supervisor draw his gun and Holden tells him it doesn't want to hurt us. And he takes a step forward, and they open fire. And right and there, I was like, uh, how fast do your bullets move? Yes. <laughs> and well. Because they look just like Maneo. They hit a, a roadblock. Right. And just stop dead in their tracks. And suddenly, the sphere, I would say the ship, whatever it is, got kind of pissed off. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the interior starts uh, transforming. And so what does the brains of the operation do? I'm going to throw a grenade at it. Yeah, that worked out Bad great. idea. That was just, you know, Bad busters right there. Yeah, because the sphere basically goes complete self-defense mode, lifts Mayer up in the air, and turns him into the Abagast. I could, yeah, pulls him apart, and then, like, he's kind of mush, and then pulls him in. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. You don't want to make this thing mad. And, of course, as soon as that happens, all the other ships in the area get basically pasted with the pink goo. Yeah, anything that was moving, basically. Yeah. And you go, uh-oh. But, of course, it may have saved Tilly's life for the time being, at least. You think? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Tilly's like, yeah, sorry, I was thinking that, yeah, somebody it, else. Yeah, no, it stopped the behemoth. It stopped the uh, Thomas Prince, which kept uh, Clarissa from uh, executing, slamming uh, Tilly yeah. into the Wherever. wall. Her fist. Yeah. <laughs> no, it took me a second. I was, I was thinking not Tilly. I'm thinking somewhere right. in the behemoth or something. But Well, yeah, we don't know what, what's happening. That means... Everything stopped, and they, they did not show us, though, Amos and Alex. No, they did not show the Rossi, and they did not show Naomi's skiff either. So like, maybe they weren't affected. Maybe they were. I don't know. 
I hate when we have I'm a little concerned. Yeah, I'm a little concerned there. Yes, so am I. So Holden demands that Miller give him something. And Miller recalls a story Julie told him as a child. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about some of this because it's like, is it really Julie? Is it just that it absorbed information? I don't know. So I'm just like all confused. Well, I think it was enough. Well, it was enough for Holden, but basically what you're concerned is my concern as well. It just absorbed both of them. And that's why it can project Miller in his head. Okay. And all their memories as well. So basically all it had to do was pull up Miller's memories of that brief time he was with Julie and pull up that story and have Miller recite it. Mm-hmm. And that's enough to convince Holden because Miller tells him it's now or never to complete the circuit. So Holden sticks his hand into the space between the columns. I feel like that would disrupt the circuit, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Not if they were looking for a life form that they could download all their data. Okay. And, and that's wow. basically to me what happened because I don't know if I know there's a few Stargate fans still left out there. This is exactly what happened to Jack O'Neill because <laughs> we see a whole bunch of stuff, which looks like look like probably the beginning of the protomolecule, what it was, what it dealt with, and the destruction. See, I was thinking like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, everybody yeah. was thinking that. <laughs> I mean, and then holding very unique camera angles, people, because he was naked yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> in space and falling, so that that was very precarious. But uh, <laughs> Yes, it was. It was so weird, and then it's like, you see his eye, and it's, like, going expanding, and then he's, like, screaming, and it's nothing, and it's, like, everything. It was, I can't explain this. I can see them pitching this. All right, listen, what's going to happen? Yeah. All this happening and everything, and bam, 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 and the nothingness, and I would have been looking at him crazy, but that's exactly how I'm explaining this. Right, so- and this episode was written by Georgina Lee, <laughs> who's done some of the best episodes on The Expanse so far, so she was on, had her A-game on yeah. for this episode. Exploding our minds with it. But I have a question about this happening because we've seen all the different, what looked like the different rings. Right. That's what we. But it looked almost like it was connecting. So can it be making wormholes suddenly? I think it could. Okay. And that it needed him to connect. When we saw the group of them, to me, that represented how they had expanded throughout the universe. Okay. And unfortunately, what I think was the original one is the one that had the sun explode and tear up that that part. Oh, okay. All right. It was something else. Yeah. And when it's done downloading everything, Holden falls to the ground. You go, oh, I don't know if they'll ever be able to get his brain back in one piece <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, what does this mean? Is he going to be normal? Is he, like, gone? Right. I feel like there's no yeah. way he's going to be gone. No, I don't think so. And they'll hopefully they'll get him back to the med bay on the Rossi and at least let it repair some of those synapses and pathways in his head so he can at least make some kind of sense out of everything. Mm-hmm. Hey, Steve, did we get any feedback this week? 
Uh, we certainly did. Once again, our friend Fred from the Netherlands has given us some audio feedback, so let's take a listen. Hello, Fangirl Zone podcasters. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some f- short feedback for The Expound Season 3, Episode 10. First off, today is the 26th of June and I have already seen episode 11, but I will try to keep the spoiler free. I love the conversations between Holden and Miller, but I have to say only on second watch. A lot of it is just too cryptic too cryptic to get at first time watching. I really wonder what that civilization is that died billions of years ago. And now all that is left are some locked doors and some lights on a timer, as Miller says. Will this mean that there is no real life form left? And is all the protomolecule stuff just tech and no bio? I also love that Kanye is back, but I don't like her crew, who are constantly disagreeing with her and questioning her orders. I really wonder if this will cause a mutiny or something like that, which could perhaps result in Gunny landing up on the Rosinante again. I loved how smart Drummer is, telling Ashford that she understands that he was correcting Maneo when he was saying as Ashford should be the captain. So giving him the message you always should be loyal to your captain, that when the time comes that Ashford is the captain, he, Maneo, should also be loyal to him, as he always showed it. Very smart of Ashford but even smarter of Drummer, to see through him. At the end of the episode, a question, what is the flashing before Holden's eyes? Should that be the end of that civilization? Is that is what it means? Okay, that was all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Yeah, Fred, that conversation between Holden and Miller was <laughs> just a little bit cryptic, unless you knew exactly kind of what they were talking about. But I liked it because it wasn't just seeming to take place in his head. Like you've right. seen that the proto Miller was actually talking to him. Right. And I, I say that meaning more it was responding. It wasn't just everything that Holden already knew. Right. And of course, with the um, civilization that died billions of years ago, I really don't know for sure if it's trying to be a warning to Miller to not let whatever destroyed them destroy this solar system or not. I mean, it could be. And it's interesting, too, with the protomolecule, what you said, because, yeah, is it something that maybe has been corrupted because it's so old? Right. So maybe it's changing and and not necessarily for the better. Right. And it, it could have started out as strictly as tech and has begun to take on biological characteristics yeah and of course we loved gunny too back right absolutely (laughs) i think i did say too that i don't like her crew that i believe i tweeted that as well that yes they're gonna end up getting themselves killed yeah yeah this doesn't seem to be a um a crew that uh gunny can trust that's for sure no and of course drummer we love drummer and it's really interesting the way she's talking about how the captain should be respected and you should be loyal because I don't know how well that's going to turn out, especially with Maneo. Right. Yeah. Maneo doesn't have any respect for drummer whatsoever. He's definitely an Ashford guy and he even says, you know, you should be the captain. So. Right. 
I just that feel is... that that's going to be somehow something good that Drummer puts out there, but I guess we'll find out soon. Right. And all the stuff that Holden was seeing, yeah, that was the end of not only the um, ancient civilization, but it kind of looked like it might could have been also the end of the universe altogether. Ugh. So that yeah. could be really bad for us. So. Yes, it could. <laughs> but thank you, Fred, for your feedback. We always appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Can't wait to hear your next feedback on the next episode, Fred. What do you guys think? And can you explain that ending way more eloquently than I I did? Which you probably could. <laughs> but, yeah, just saying. <laughs> so why don't you shoot us your thoughts at sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com. That's S-Y-F-Y talk at fangirlzone.com. Check out the website. And while you're at it, why don't you leave us some ratings, possibly on iTunes and every other platform you're finding us on. Because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about the show, and we do hope you're enjoying the podcast. No, I still haven't figured out to get our butts on Reddit, but I know there's a huge expanse following on Reddit, and I apologize in advance that I haven't gotten that done yet. <laughs> All right. Well, that's like everything, and we're almost over with the season, which makes me very sad. I'm a sad panda. Yes. Yep, we've got next week's episode, and the following week, I think, is a two-parter. Yeah, but... To end- wow. But at least it's not over. Right. So we can be happy with that. So for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I am Sean Fangirlass. And I'm Steve. You got more synapses than stars in the universe. You're a fancy hand terminal. And until next time. <laughs>